welcome into the newest episode of Pickaxe and Roll. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday nights as I'm recording this, coming to you from my apartment, snowed in apartment, of course, after Denver gets hit with a whole bunch of weather over this weekend for whatever reason. Fake spring. But I'm coming to you from my apartment as I just witnessed one of the best performances I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, There are a few that really compare at this point, and it's just kind of getting to a ridiculous point with this where you sometimes forget. You sometimes need a little bit of a reminder. Sometimes need just a little bit of incentive to get back into the swing of things. And I knew I wanted to approach this game when I came in, when I came into the arena tonight, I knew I wanted to approach approach this game from a positive perspective. And it didn't feel great after, uh, what, three quarters, three quarters plus two minutes, where Jokic had to come back into the game after Michael Malone was ejected, Denver had been called for five technical fouls, things were unraveling, it was looking pretty bad, and lo and behold, Nikola Jokic comes back in at about the 10-20 mark, with about 16 points, and proceeds to finish the game with 46, as the Denver Nuggets outlast the New Orleans Pelicans, final score 138-130 in overtime. This was an epic game. And not just epic from Denver's side, like the Pelicans are a good basketball team, and anybody that Hasn't been tracking them. That was expecting all the Pelicans, 27 and 37 now. No, they are a good basketball team. And ever since they traded for CJ McCollum, they just look like a team that is just in in a new place for them in, in the NBA hierarchy. But now, if you're the Nuggets, you get this win and you can feel great about yourselves because that is not a 27 and 37 team over there on the other side. That was a much better team. One of the the hottest teams in the NBA, and Denver outlasts them on the shoulders of one of the greatest performances we've seen from Nikola Jokic, 46 points in 43 minutes, 16 of 22 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, 11 of 12 from the free throw line, including several in the pressure cooker, 12 rebounds, 11 assists, 3 steals, 4 blocks, did have 5 turnovers, but we'll gloss over that was a plus 22 in an overtime game. A game that went that was tied. That was tied in the final 5 minutes of the game. Denver won that by 8. He was out there for those uh those 5 minutes, so he's plus 8 from that. He was plus 14 in regulation heading into overtime, which means hey, Nuggets Nuggets back, right? Like Nikola Jokic's minutes are dominant and the bench minutes are a disaster. That's kind of how it was tonight and it's okay. It's not not the worst thing in the world when you get a win like this, but it just goes to show that through all the problems, through all the drama, through any of the issues that the Nuggets had, where Michael Malone gets ejected for good reason after going after an official off of a, what was a correct travel call, by the way, on Aaron Gordon in the late third quarter. Michael Malone gets ejected. Aaron Gordon hasn't shot the ball well. Uh, The Nuggets as a whole, they only shoot 30.3% from three. And if you take away Nikola Jokic's shooting, they're at 7 of 28, so 25%. They weren't shooting the ball well. And they were struggling. They had to have somebody to rally around. 
And for Nikola Jokic, who, let's be honest, hadn't been playing his best in the post-All-Star break time, for him to come out, he said he was feeling kind of crummy. Uh, he missed last game, obviously, with non-COVID illness. He said so in the post-game presser that he wasn't feeling great. He wasn't feeling 100% that last game. And then he also said in the first half tonight, he wasn't feeling his best either. He was very winded. But for him to come back in and put the team on his back when the Nuggets were dead in the water, they were dead. They were down double digits at one point. I think they were down double digits with like five minutes to go. And he just kept pushing. He just kept going. And that's just who he is. That's who he is as a basketball player. It's who he is as a person. If you're Nikola Jokic, every possession is treated the same. Every single one. It doesn't matter if it's in clutch time. It doesn't matter if it's the first quarter. He is going to treat the possessions with the same focus as he possibly can. And it didn't matter that they were down by 10 points. He was going to try to score. He was going to try to will the team back. And there were several possessions where he got to the free throw line. He got fouled. He hit a couple threes. He got to the line. Uh, he drove to the basket in, in transition. And was just making some great, great shots. I think the stat, if I'm not mistaken, was that 30 points in the fourth quarter and overtime on 80% shooting has not been seen since Kobe Bryant back in 2007. What a stat. And then you've got the 40-point triple-double, where how many players have had 40-point triple-doubles with at least four blocks? you got to go back to LeBron James back in 2010 to even think about getting somebody who has that kind of stat. The only players in NBA history to shoot a, to maintain a 40-point triple-double with at least 70% shooting, I think it was 70% shooting, it's Nikola Jokic and Wilt Chamberlain. This guy is rewriting history books. He's rewriting the record books. What he's been able to do as such a versatile piece with his dominant scoring, his out-of-this-world passing, what has now become dominant rebounding, and now he's adding steals and blocks into the equation and, and playing some clutch defense. The Nuggets were down, I think, by four with about 50 seconds left to go. And Jokic comes up with a clutch block, draws a foul in the backcourt, gets to go to the free throw line, cans two free throws, and just has to be so relentless in order to make things work for his team. There is no player in the NBA right now having such a holistic level of impact as Nikola Jokic is. It just doesn't exist. What he's been able to do in these tough situations where the shots aren't dropping for his team, the motivation looks like it's slipping, coach gets thrown out of the game, and for him to rise up above that, for him to get through the double teams that he was seeing all night, Jonas Valanciunas was doing a pretty good job, but he was having help all the time where guys were getting into passing lanes. Herb Jones, still a menace in the passing lanes. He is just a fantastic defender. And for Jokic to still get through that, for him to foul out Valanciunas, for him to work through Willie Hernan Gomez, 
and for him to do things on both ends of the court. It was just a masterful, elite, unbelievable performance. It's just one of these ones I will never forget. And how could I? How could I at this point? It was good to see him get back on track. The Nuggets need him not to this level, not to this degree. There will be easier games. Like I said, Pelicans, sneaky, difficult team to play right now. Like if they bring the same energy and effort the Nuggets do, if they bring the same energy and effort to tomorrow's game against the Golden State Warriors who are bringing nobody, then they should wallop the Warriors despite being on a back-to-back. But Denver needs to hold off the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves, I think, have 29 losses right now. And yeah, 29 losses. Denver has 26. The Timberwolves have been pushing Denver. They've won four in a row. They're seven and three in their last 10 are the Timberwolves. The Nuggets are eight and two in their last 10. They've had to keep pace in order to not just outpace the Timberwolves, but to actually gain some separation. So they're going to need this version of Nikola Jokic or something close to this for at least the next 10 to 15 games or so, where you can keep the T-Wolves at bay, you can claim yourself a playoff spot, and then not worry about it after that. Maybe you worry more about incorporating Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., if that's possible, back into the equation at that point. But for now, let's just bask in this greatness. Let's take the time, take the opportunity to just appreciate what we have here. I don't know if he's going to be the MVP. I don't know if this is something that he wants, if this is something that he's going to win, because I, I do think that, like I've like I've said before, Joel Embiid is having a fantastic season in Philly. Giannis Antetokounmpo having a fantastic season with Milwaukee. There's a lot of other fringe MVP candidates too, guys that have just had some very emotional, high-impact games. But I firmly believe in my heart That when he wants to be, when he locks in, he is the best player in the world. Nikola, the Joker, is the best player in the world. When he's locked in, it is Joker's world. And it's just about getting to that point, staying there consistently, and knowing that he has this level of takeover in his bag if he wants it. Sometimes he never gets to this point, and sometimes maybe he doesn't have it. But I do think that these nights are the great reminder that it's not just about holding Nikola to a higher standard, it's that he's establishing this high standard on such an immense level. Sometimes when he doesn't reach this peak, it can almost feel disappointing because we know how capable he is at various points. But the fact that he's even able to reach this at all is just unbelievable. And so it's all about appreciation from here on out. Let's appreciate what we've got. Let's appreciate who we're watching. And I know for a fact, like Aaron Gordon said this postgame, it does not go unnoticed in that locker room, in that organization, what Nikola Jokic means to the team and how unbelievable he is. That's really what matters. It's who the people around you care about. And we know that. We know that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to get into the rest of the starting unit because there were some positives there too. 
We will be right back. But first, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I know that DraftKings does all of these great promos, and they've got some for the NBA, for NHL, for all of the sports that they are running through. I know the March Madness is around the corner, and there will be promos going on for March Madness. And you can have an opportunity to get in on the action, to get in on the deals. If you sign up on DraftKings Sportsbook, they take care of their new customers in ways that other other places don't. DraftKings, they do a great job of making sure that the new customers are taken care of and treated right. So you're going to want to bet there more. They give you great deals. They give you great opportunities. They give you odds boosts, ways where you can make money, ways where you can enjoy betting. I love to be talking about them at this point because they do some great things. So if you go sign up, if you take that opportunity, make sure to go use promo code MHS if you do. For this NBA opportunity, it's been betting $1 on any NBA team and winning $150 in free bets if that team wins. It's that simple. That's promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Action Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. It would be great. It would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. All right, let's take some time to give some appreciation, to hand out some appreciation opportunities for some of the other starters. And I do think that I can say a lot of positive things on all of these guys. And I'm going to talk about Austin Rivers in this category as well because he closed the game. Uh, replacing Will Barton, who went out with an ankle injury. So, but let's start with Aaron Gordon, who I'm kind of hard on Aaron Gordon sometimes because when he gets into that frame of mind that the jump shot is the best thing for him and that obviously he has to take some of the shots when he's open. Don't get me wrong. But there are times where he runs a play and he'll be running off of a DHO or, um, just taking an opportunity to step back for three. Maybe he's not square. Maybe he's off the dribble. I feel like the best opportunities for Aaron Gordon are the ones where he's attacking, are the ones where he's driving to the basket. Michael Malone said as much in the postgame presser too. And it really does make a difference for him and his game when he's attacking. And so he puts up a massive stat line tonight, 28 points, 9 of 17 from the field, 0 of 5 from three but 10 of 15 from the free throw line, where he got to the line 15 times. And doing so, it just showcased how unstoppable he can be as a six foot eight pile driver that Jackson Hayes had no chance staying in front of, that Brandon Ingram, no chance staying in front of. Herb Jones, same thing. There were a lot of guys that could not stay in front of Aaron Gordon when he wanted to tonight. He also got three offensive rebounds and some key putbacks, some key opportunities there. Grabbed eight rebounds total. 
two assists, one steal, two blocks, was a plus 10 tonight. He also did a really nice job in the first quarter on Brandon Ingram, and that might have honestly been the difference in the game because Denver goes to overtime and saying everything else happens the same. Brandon Ingram went at Aaron Gordon a lot tonight, and there were some times where Brandon Ingram wasn't on or when when Will Barton was on Ingram or Monte Morris was on Ingram or Jeff Green was on Ingram, etc., and there were times for much of that where Ingram was getting his buckets. And they're, like Ingram's a great player. Like I, I was really impressed with him tonight. What he's able to do, 38 points, 9 assists, 5 rebounds, etc. Like He does some crazy things. But I do think that Aaron Gordon made a difference on him tonight. When he was on him versus when some other guys were on him, There were a couple times where Denver tried to put Jeff Green on Brandon Ingram instead to try to save Aaron Gordon from foul trouble. Uh, But ultimately, when AG was out there, when he was on Ingram, he also spent some time on CJ McCollum late in the game. He's the guy that Denver trusts most when he's on the ball, and even more than Austin Rivers. And whether that's right, whether that's wrong, I do think that a locked-in Aaron Gordon, somebody who's motivated, somebody who is knowledgeable of his assignment and then takes that very seriously. He really locks in and he can showcase some great defensive skills. And it's games like these where if you see that every game, he becomes an all-defense all caliber player. He's probably not going to get to that point. But I do think that it's nice on games like tonight where you could see both the aggressiveness offensively and defensively really pay off. Monte Morris also deserves a big a big piece of credit because 18 points for him, eight assists, two turnovers, had a couple, like the two turnovers were kind of bad. I, I don't want to like hyper-focus on those though, but they were, they were kind of bad in bad spots. But for the most part, Nikola wasn't just dribbling the ball into the post every night or every possession. He was being fed the ball at various points. Sometimes it was on off-ball actions where guys are screening. But a lot of times it was where he and Monte were running pick and roll. And Monte drops it off to him in a a shooting pocket where he can really go to work. And whether it's just immediately off the catch or it's putting him into a position where he can isolate, Monte did a great job complimenting what Nicola did. And him setting him up was one of the biggest reasons why Jokic was able to get to the point number that he had, to the point total. And not to mention, he still had 18 points on 14 shots here. It wasn't his most efficient outing ever, but he still shot 50%. Two of six from the three-point line, two of two from the free throw line. Both of those threes were really big. I know he had one of them in the OT period. So it's nice to see him continue to step up. He's been up and down at various points since the the post-All-Star time. But I do think that Denver, they, they've just got such a valuable player in Monte that even when Jamal comes back, even when Michael Porter comes back, Monte Morris is probably going to be in a lot of the closing lineups because he is so steady and so helpful. And you know that he's going to be making the right decisions almost every time. And his ability to 
hit shots off the dribble while also assisting Yoke. It's such a, such a big deal for setting up games like tonight. Jeff Green played 34 minutes tonight. It's more minutes than he usually plays, and he was big. Like, it wasn't... It wasn't the most impactful from a statistical standpoint, like he had eight points, three rebounds, three assists, one steal. But his versatility to be able to switch on to various players, he switched on to Brandon Ingram a lot. And I know that Ingram sometimes cooked, and, and there were definitely some, some moments where Ingram got his shots off and hit them over him. But there are also moments where Jeff Green sticks with Brandon Ingram, and Ingram has to shoot a kind of fading away three-pointer and then kicks out his legs. And then gets called for an offensive foul because of the the kickout. When Jeff Green's locked in, and I, that's that's kind of the bellwether. I think you know that Jokic was locked in tonight. You know that Aaron Gordon was trying to get to the free throw line and get to the line, get to the paint. You know that Jeff Green was also doing his thing and trying to present that attention to detail as often as he possibly could. That's how you know the Nuggets were taking the Pelicans seriously tonight. There were so many moments where Will Barton was setting hard screens and digging down and getting some steals, and Jeff Green was curling off of DHOs and and ramming the ball uh, on a dunk, and then also switching and communicating and poking balls free for steals. Like There was just so much more attention to detail tonight. They took the Pelicans seriously, and I think Jeff Green was probably a big example of that throughout most of this game. So it was nice to see. It's nice to see that Jeff has this level to him where this is a very clearly positive Jeff Green, where despite the fact that it wasn't the most efficient and points-filled night for him, still was able to provide a positive impact while he was on the court. Will Barton, I, I did mention it before, uh, but I did think that there were, though there were a couple of mistakes, there was one turnover where it kind of faltered a little bit. There was one, there were one or two bad shots that I don't want to like go over too in depth. But for the most part, I actually, I do think that this was a good Will Barton night too. And it won't show up in the plus minus. I, I know that that's not going to show up, but I do think that this was a good Will Barton Nights, where he spent a lot of time on McCollum, spent a lot of time on Herb Jones, and there was some good attention to detail in a lot of what he did tonight. Stuff that's not going to show up in the box score, stuff that's not going to show up on the highlight reels or anything like that. But I have this in my head, I have this image of Barton setting a cross screen, like a wedge screen, for Jokic coming across the lane. And he's screening Valanchunas. Valanchunas is a big mofo. That dude is strong. He is huge. It's got to be an absolute pain for Will Barton, all 190 pounds of Will Barton, to try to put a body on him. And he put a body on him, giving up his own body to try to free up a teammate. That's one of those things that you don't necessarily think about from the highlights perspective and from who's watching the ball and whatnot. But it's nice to see a scorer and a playmaker like Will be willing to do things like that. 
That's how you know that he was going to be a good fit for Denver when they're at full strength, was that he was always willing to kind of take on a tougher defensive assignment and maybe not touch the ball as often, but play some more defense and maybe screen and maybe cut and maybe not as maybe it's not as much pick and roll, but it could be some other things that could really help the team succeed. So I'm I'm excited to see what Will does and how he can continue to evolve his game as he ages, as he gets older. And the Nuggets are going to start looking towards uh, what they're going to need in this season when their guys get back, but also in future seasons where Bones will probably take a larger role and Michael Porter's going to want some more shots and Jamal Murray's going to be doing Jamal Murray things again. I wonder what this team's going to look like. And I hope that Will uh, continues to embrace that uh, just from a role player standpoint because he'll be beloved by Nuggets fans for a long, long time. If he's willing to do that for sure. Uh, he did roll his ankle tonight. Michael Malone said it didn't seem like it was serious when he saw him. What I will say about ankle sprains is that sometimes the swelling will either go up and, and or, or it will take a long time for it to subside. And then maybe it gets more tender the next day or the day after. So if I were the Nuggets, I would hold out Will Barton tomorrow night. I would say that there's no way that he starts. And I'd probably actually hold out Austin Rivers too because he was laboring out there tonight despite the fact that he was doing his best and he was really, really trying and he was very helpful. I'm going to talk about him now here. Rivers didn't have any shots. He didn't, or no, he had two shots. He missed both threes, uh, had a rebound, had an assist, had one block, had three fouls. He was a plus nine tonight because he was on the court when... Jokic was really taking over when Monte was doing some things, when AG was doing some things, but he was on the court replacing Will and did a really nice job against CJ McCollum. There were a lot of possessions where CJ made shots anyway, or when he got switched on to Brandon Ingram and Ingram made shots anyway. It's just going to happen. It really is. And stuff like that from two of the toughest shot makers in the league in CJ and B.I., Sometimes you just can't control that. And Rivers is one of those guys where I also have this image in my head of him getting lit up by insane shots from Damian Lillard. Nothing that any defender can do. And sure, if you're Mikhail Bridges or Kawhi Leonard in his prime, you might have done a better job. But for all the other human being basketball players out there, it can be insane to watch some of the shot takers hit and make tough shots over you, and you just have to be able to wipe wipe the slate clean every single time. That's a tough mentality to take, but I do think that Rivers has that, and it's one of the reasons why he's valuable, because he gets to wipe that slate clean and, and just really says, it doesn't matter. He's going to provide what he's going to provide. And tonight, he just provided another guy that was very trustworthy in running defense Denver's defensive schemes down the stretch. And he also moved the ball pretty well, put Denver into a position where Monte Morris could hit some shots and Jokic could hit some shots. And despite the fact that the Pelicans were doubling, he moved the ball very quickly. And you just like to have guys like that in your in your corner. Definitely helpful. Let's take a break. 
When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench unit and also what's next because there's a game. And when you're listening to this, you're probably going to be getting ready for the Nuggets game uh, against Golden State. And we're going to talk about that really quickly, too. We will be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I uh, really appreciate all the love and support. I, I know I, I got tagged in a lot of uh, when, when Bones tweeted out tonight that he was looking for a podcast to go on. And obviously, he's connected with the DNVR crew after going on their podcast, too. So he's going to pick that. But I saw a lot of people shouting me out. And, and I, I actually uh, met somebody named Billy uh, today at the game. And he introduced himself to me and said he was looking forward to the podcast. So Shout out to you, Billy. Thank you so much for hopping on or for for hanging out with me for a little bit. And uh, we got to see a great show. And so really enjoy all the love and support as always, folks. Thank you so much. Okay. Bench unit really quickly here. Not a lot to write home about for this bench unit. I do want to shout out Bones Highland and Jermichael Green. Uh, Both of those guys were fantastic. Obviously, I'm not necessarily going to talk about Rivers here because he was more of an accompaniment to the the bench unit and then closed with the starters because of his defense. So not going to talk about him, but we are going to talk about Bones. We're going to talk about Jermichael. We're going to talk about Boogie. We're going to talk about Bryn. Bones tonight, great decision-making. I really do think that his decision-making has come a long way. And he was minus seven tonight, and I think it had a little to do with him. Or like, there were a couple possessions where Devontae Graham got free and whatnot, and like, Jose Alvarado and guys like that, like stuff that you can't necessarily help because other teams also try to score the basketball and it's kind of tough to stop sometimes. So it is what it is, but Bones for for what he's worth, for what, like it, it's just very clear to me that he is taking a mental leap. Post All-Star break, he's starting to figure out what his rhythms are, what his role is, how he can be impactful for this Nuggets group in the short amount of time that he's out there sometimes. And I do think that some of the shots that he takes, uh, some people will scoff at. But having the confidence to take and make a pull-up three after you get hot, after you get into rhythm, the confidence to take that is going to push him so far. And his ability to shoot off the dribble, to make reads, to hit Jamichael Green for the easy shots underneath the basket, Those were so big. Those were such big points that despite the fact that the Pelicans were just making everything on the other end of what it felt like was just an absolute uh, massacre, it felt like the Pelicans were dominating. They weren't. And the reason they weren't was because Bones was able to kind of keep things together and create some opportunities for his teammates during that limited stretch. And so really appreciate what he's been able to do with DeMarcus Cousins. Really appreciate how he finds Jermichael Green underneath the basket. That's not a necessarily easy and straightforward read for a point guard to make. Uh, when you have the helper over helping and then leaving their man underneath the basket like a Jermichael Green, it's a tough pass to make through traffic. And so his ability to kind of zip that in there, take advantage of the defense of what they're doing, that is a big deal. 
because it showcases a high level of basketball IQ that I'm really looking forward to seeing evolve as he continues to grow in the NBA. Uh, Jamichael Green played some extra minutes with the starting unit, although most of the time the starters were out there. There was a it was a high minute game for the starters, but I do think Jamichael Green. 10 points, 4 of 4 from the field, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. Perfect night shooting-wise, efficiency-wise for him. 8 rebounds in 19 minutes, 3 offensive 2. Also had an assist. What he's able to do as the 4 is just so drastically different from what he's doing as the 5. It is honestly night and day to watch what he's able to do and to appreciate what he's able to do when he's playing a different position, when he's not burdened with running the pick and roll all the time. He'll run the occasional pick and pop, and he'll run the occasional uh, side pick and roll and things like that. But being in the middle of the floor, I just don't think that's what was comfortable for him. And being the center involves being a fulcrum for what the Nuggets like to do. And given what they have with Nikola Jokic, you need somebody who can handle that. And DeMarcus Cousins has mostly handled that in his time. Jamichael has not, uh, this year especially. But what he's able to do, kind of as a residual and complementary piece, is very valuable. It helps Denver find positives on the margins. And I like that. I like being able to look at the box score and see, okay, despite the fact that Cousins wasn't great, it was able to really be mitigated by the fact that Bones was making some shots and Jamichael made his shots. And then Bryn Forbes also, despite the fact that he only went two of five had seven points and was able to kind of mitigate some of the issues. So rather than Denver being a complete tire fire, they were able to make it work for most of the time. DeMarcus, as we mentioned, uh, only one point tonight in 10 minutes, 0 of 4 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, 1 of 2 from the line, did have four rebounds. Just not a good night for him. And he's allowed to have a bad night, like given what he just did, 31 points in 24 minutes or whatnot, like he's allowed to have a bad night. Nobody is questioning that. Denver having the personnel to be able to make up for it is what's the big deal because before Denver wasn't able to make up for it. I think when you had Jermichael Green at the five, most of the time that involved Zeke Naji at the four or... Um, Davon Reed at the four, players that are in positions where it's it's not right to expect others to kind of make up for it a little bit. Bones made up for it tonight. Jamichael made up for it tonight. And you just hope that Cousins, despite the fact that he got a tech, despite the fact that it wasn't his best, can really bring it in a game against the Warriors tomorrow night. That's what bench guys do. Like You don't have to be great every single night in order to be successful. So I'm not going to stress too much over it. And finally, Bryn Forbes, like I said, seven points, two of five from the field, made a big three. And when you have a guy like that who can kind of change the tide a little bit with just one shot, it really still has that residual effect for everybody else. So I like seeing that personally because it gives me a lot of confidence that Denver can go to different options and different configurations. And when Jamal comes back and when Mike comes back, you're going to have so many different things to play around with. It's going to be a lot of fun. So what's next? 
I was just about to go to a break because I usually do starters in first segment, bench in second segment. So I was just about to go to a break, but we're at the end of the podcast. So here's what's next. Denver just started a stretch of games that are four games in five nights. And tonight was the first one of those where they beat a team in OT. And this was a hard five game. This was a strenuous game for sure. Now they got to play tomorrow. Now they got to play Golden State. And then they have a day off. And then they, and in that day off, they're traveling, by the way. They're going to go to Sacramento. And then they're going to get on a flight after the Sacramento game and go east, go back to Denver, and they're going to play Golden State again. And it's going to be stressful. And everybody's going to be cranky. You're going to see some weird lineups and configurations and players that probably need some rest. And it's going to be tough. But Denver's never been like they've been one to kind of passive aggressively complain about it, but they're never going to like use that as an excuse for why they lost the game. That's never been in their DNA. So they're going to try. They're going to try to win all these games. And they have a really good opportunity tomorrow night. Tonight, if you're listening to this on Monday, obviously. Against the Golden State Warriors, and they aren't going to bring all of their guys. Like, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the list was Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, Gary Payton, and James Wiseman. I think, I think those are the seven that they're not bringing. So, like, that's basically their starting unit, which is nuts. Um, look. Denver's going to be tired. They're going to be in a position where they're going to want to quit. And they're going to look across and be like, God, that's not the Warriors. That's just the scrubs. That's the replacements for the Warriors. And tomorrow's probably going to be a close game. That's just how it is. Like, that's how the NBA is. Sometimes you play a team like this game against the New Orleans Pelicans, who are a sneaky top five team right now in terms of actual basketball capability. And you win this game and you feel great. You feel elated about it. And now you have to turn around and you got to play tomorrow. And Steve Kerr was bitching and moaning about it. That's for sure. He wasn't going to bring any of his guys because he thought that this was just a travesty that the NBA was rescheduling this game. And that it was just so unfair to the Warriors and and that that they had to play this game. So he didn't bring any of his main stars. Oh, look, it is what it is. Denver, if if they can take advantage of this opportunity and go from 38 and 22 to 39 and 22. Actually, no, that's not the record. Uh, 38 and 26 to 39 and 26. That's much better. Uh, then they'll take that. Denver will absolutely take the opportunity and, and laugh about it because they should. They absolutely should. But it will be funny if... The Nuggets somehow, some way, were able to win both of these games against the Warriors. They play on Monday, and they play again on Thursday against the Warriors. You sweep Golden State? That's pretty funny. That's pretty fun. Not to mention, this could be a matchup that the Nuggets see in the playoffs. Right now, the Warriors are currently in the two seed, but they're basically percentage points away from the three. And if Memphis ends up getting to the three, which I think is almost likely at this point, or Memphis gets up to the two, Golden State drops to the three. If the Nuggets stay at six, you might be getting a playoff preview 
which may also be why Steve Kerr did not want to bring his guys because he doesn't want to give the Nuggets any more that they can uh, they can really take advantage of from a scouting standpoint. But it is what it is. You don't uh, you don't blame other coaches for what they had to do. Um, you just uh, you just take advantage if you possibly can. So we are going to see. We're going to see how the Nuggets respond physically tomorrow night. Uh, we'll see what Barton's status is. I'm pretty sure that he's going to be hampered if he's going to play at all. Uh, but for now, let's just bask in what Nikola Jokic did. He will probably lead all the NBA shows because he's spectacular. He deserves that opportunity. And what he's been able to do in a situation where the spacing isn't great, where you've got guys that have been out for a long time, teams are starting to figure out Denver and the way that they should handle them. And it just didn't matter because Nikola Jokic was Nikola Jokic. That's what it means to be a great player, a truly great player, where you can't be stopped no matter what the other team decides to do. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support, as always. I will be back tomorrow night. Going to be a late pod. Uh, Pretty sure that the Nuggets are playing. Oh, God, it's going to be... Oh, it's a 7 o'clock start, so should be okay. The the 10 o'clock start comes on Thursday, so that is going to be a late one for sure. But for now, thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Positivity abound. We're going to have a great time. Thank you so much. We're going to talk to you guys tomorrow.